be yourself so quite often others can take over family friends it's it's your wedding you know don't let them get to you as well there's always sometimes there's dramas just it's all about the two of you just forget everything else welcome to the yes to i do podcast your weekly wedding planning show hosted by jack brister and chris piercy hello and welcome to yes to i do your wedding planning podcast my name is jack brister and i'm joined as always by my co-host chris piercy today we were talking to Chantel pike of Chantel sophia bridal wear it was a really great conversation finding out all about how to make sure you get your dress right the first time round, and also everything you need to know about bespoke bridal wear before we get into the episode though i want to tell you very quickly about our new facebook group i know we've told you about it before but we're going to keep telling you about it until you join uh, it is called yes do i do your wedding planning podcast group and you can find it really easily by just searching for it on facebook or finding the facebook page going under the group section and we'll find you there we look forward to welcoming you in here's how we got on so Chantel do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do uh yeah so I alter wedding dresses and evening wear and bridesmaids and then the other half of my company is bespoke bridal wear so it's um, from design to the pattern to the finished dress as well, uh, which is a nice job to do. In terms of, I mean, that's not something you just accidentally get into. Surely you must have done a ridiculous amount of training, I'm presumably a university degree or... Yeah, yeah. So I have a degree in fashion and a degree in costume as well. Uh, so the fashions are more uh, standardised sizes and design and costumes based on historical so most wedding dresses are almost like historical dresses really so that's the more bespoke side of things taking the measurements drafting the pattern so yeah lots of studying lots of practice yeah so def- definitely not something you just kind of oh you know what i'm going to be a, a wedding dressmaker you know you, you have to is that something you decided upon years ago or is it something that once you'd finished your training you went now i want to do this with it yeah, I've always wanted to do um, to do design, and without sounding really cheesy, I I did do um, a couple of weeks in like London Fashion Week. Absolutely hated it because from a body confidence type of thing, mm. um, from that standpoint, it's it's really nice making women feel good. And you know, a lot of women get get married. Everybody's different. Everyone's a different size. Uh, nobody's a set size anyway. So that side of thing that bespoke it's made to them and it makes someone feel like them as well when it's their design so I've always wanted to do more that side of it further from the fashion industry because it's yeah it's changing for the better now but especially a few years ago it's yeah didn't like it (laughs) no I can completely understand that because I think that um I'm sorry Jack you have to call me out straight away I do actually kind of reference this in my book uh I, I, (laughs) I don't I I think I've been very good about not mentioning the book, but there is something very particular in the book which is, uh, which kind of is um, reference to this, and how you know a lot of advertising. You know, I'm not talking about just like wedding, but just a lot of advertising in general basically does not empower people at all. It's more like yeah. you, you are not good enough. You need to get this in your life. You need to do this or this or this in order to then feel good about yourself. There's very little advertising out there which says, you know what, you're absolutely fine as you are. I mean, the only one that is out there, well, it's not even out there anymore. It was probably two or three years ago was the um, um, Dove campaign for real women. 
where yeah. they, I don't know if you remember Absolutely. the advertising campaign, but they had people sit down and describe to a sketch artist what they look like. Do you remember that? I haven't seen that one. Yes, no. yes, and it was it, it was it was amazing. It it did exactly yeah. it did exactly what I think all advertising should do, which is empower people. You know, regardless if yeah. they're a man man or woman or anything else, you know, people should be empowered and feel confident in their own skin. And I think that what you do, you know, by providing something bespoke like that, it must it must be such an incredibly rewarding experience because it's not because we spoke to Kate from Bridal Love before, and she said it's amazing how when you see someone in the right dress for them that it kind of they, yeah. you see it and they feel lit up inside but if you've actually made that dress from and discussed it that must be such an incredible incredible experience for you yeah especially um I do get some brides that it, it sounds daft but they just feel like I'm not a dress person it's not you know it's not me I'm not really girly and if you can make something that you know makes them still feel like a bride without being not them because you feel like your fancy dress you know you've got this big dress on and you're not the type of person to wear something like that if you you know you don't want to force something as well it's nice to see them put something on and feel being comfortable goes hand in hand with being confident sometimes as well you know so it's yeah it's a big part of it definitely so in terms of the i mean how does it work so not in terms of the on the alteration side of it because i'm guessing Oh, I don't want to ask a second question before my first question, but so someone comes to you, do they sometimes come to you with no idea at all what they want or do they sometimes come with, I want this, but with this slightly different or how, how does it work? How does the, the process with you happen? Um, so with, with Bespoke, it's one of those things, I, it's like if you were to say to um, uh, an architect, you know, design me a house, they'd say, oh, okay, so, so how many, how many floors what sort of style um so i have two different types of brides either they've gone to lots of shops and they just can't it's just always something missing with some of them so quite often we piece together you know five dresses the favorite parts from different dresses they've tried on or i have a bride that they've known what they wanted sometimes even from childhood like they have this particular design or it's something quite specific so we've done some with embroidery uh colorful dresses things like that then they're just never going to find it in the shop because it's that creative so it's kind of the two two sides of it really i tend to have one or the other so in style yeah so i've seen a bit of your works i've been kind of stalking your website obviously in preparation for this and i've seen a lot of it is you I mean you're literally sewing it by hand like sewing on yeah. individual bits and pieces of flowers or I was going to say sequins but not sequins but I think so you can tell I'm really I just just couldn't imagine a sequin on a wedding dress but I guess white sequins rather than like really shiny glittery ones yeah that would be a little bit odd like a disco wedding dress what am I talking about (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I mean that I mean that that sort of skill level I mean that comes with a a particular cost I guess so I'm assuming that when you tend to deal with people at the kind of higher end of the market would that be fair to say or do you yeah absolutely yes it's all it's all priced on depending on how complex the design is so if you were to have a dress that was completely covered in hand sewing it's um it's a lot of hours of work or even uh, a lot of fabrics that i use are couture silks and things like that and the laces are a high end as well so it depends how much um is on the dress but i normally break down quotes as well so quite often 
even brides that know exactly what they want will have a few design ideas in mind. So I'll quote, you know, if we go more towards this style, it's this price, more towards this style, it's that price. So it's quite often, it tends to be about five different quotes. And then as we go through, we sort of, we tweak the design quite a lot. So it's not from paper to the finished one. It always changes a little bit as we go because it's, um, it's just nice to design in fabric really. So how long does that process take? So someone someone walks in the door, let's say they come in with literally no idea at all what they want. They just want, well, they have like a vague idea, like a, a shape or, you know, they want a certain thing on it. How long is the process and each stage of that process as well from you know, coming in to having a, a dress that fits perfectly and they love? So ideally, most people book in about a year before. Um, if they know, if they really know what they want, it's about a year and a half. I get a lot of last minute brides. Uh, so because I do make them, I can do it quicker. So I do get quite a few brides six months before at the very quickest. I've squeezed in a few three months before, which has been, I'm seeing them every every other week um, because they've been to the shops and then they do come to me last because it's, you know, they can't find what they want. They, you know, they look around. And so it does tend to be, um, you know, either really early on or really close before. Uh, but it's four to six fittings uh, in total. So it's depending on how early they book in. I see them sort of, you know, every other month, every other week, that sort of thing running up. So, yeah. Jack, you haven't said anything yet, so. I haven't, no, I've been very quiet because uh, you were asking all the questions I was about to ask. So I just <laughs> let you carry on. I swear you've used that excuse before. Oh, no, 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 it's, it's true, you see. But uh, so Chantel... I was talking to a tailor, so tailored suits and that kind of thing. He has, uh, he was telling me that he can tell who's made a suit just by looking at it because of the way it's cut. Yes. Does the same thing apply to bridal wear? And so you can tell who's made what dress by the way that they've been made. So you yes, have your absolutely. own unique style. Yeah, it ten- it sounds tough, but with with dresses, it's the underlayers. So you know, you've got all your lace and embellishment on the top that will sit anyway it's how it the whole thing hangs on the body so that inside layer so the corsetry inside when that's made to fit you so everybody's completely different even body length um so you know from your bust to your waist everybody's different length when you buy something that's a standard size they're always a standard length um not everybody's got the same waist and bust and then hips so you'll never be you know, a standard size 16, you might be 16, 18, 12, that sort of thing. Um, so you, it always sits differently when it's made from scratch to that compared to altered to that. So something that's um, interested me with terms of the alteration side of things is, is there any alteration that isn't possible or can any, any part of it be altered, like kind of, to know if seamlessly is a pun or whether it's the right thing to say <laughs> it's, uh... it's it's one of those tricky things so i would say the main one that's fiddly is the less fabric it sounds back to front the less fabric there is the harder it is to take in so if you imagine a dress that's completely backless if you need to take that in let's say the extreme three to four sizes once you take that fabric in there's even less of it so you end up with nothing left at the back at all to keep it on so it's going to be slipping off and and it's it's also sometimes it's a cost thing by the time you've 
completely taking something apart if you're taking it in that much the shape's going to change so to stop that you've got to basically re-sew the whole dress so the cost to then remake it it's going to cost the same as the dress pretty much if it's that drastic that it gets to a point where it's you need to weigh it up as well so have you ever had any circumstances where someone's come in and saying i want this altered and you've had to turn around and say it'd be cheaper if i actually just make you a dress from scratch yeah it's been more so i hate to say it but it's been more so if it's been like a sample dress and it's it's been like they've paid 400 pound on the dress and they've just sort of it's three to four sizes bigger and it's it's got that much sort of beadwork on it that the alterations are coming out more than the cost of the dress in the first place that it's like and unfortunately it tends to be brides that are then on a budget that's why they've sort of headed towards something that's that much too big and that bit cheaper so um yeah sometimes it is better just to say start again rethink you know have another look at some sample dresses that do fit um go back to the drawing board so I know I may be completely wrong with this because I've never bought or looked into buying a wedding dress. So have you not? With have me. you not? Jack? <laughs> Surprises me. I've not. No, no, no. Uh, I've never had to buy one before. But my understanding is that a lot of bridal shops offer alteration services as part of their package. So why would it, why would someone go with a independent alter? Alterer? Alterer, is that yeah, the right thing? Is that the right Seamstress? Word? Seamstress, there you go, that's the one. Alterer. Uh, why would someone go to an independent seamstress as opposed to uh, using the bridal shop that they bought the dress from? Yeah, so um, some bridal shops have in-house seamstresses. Uh, not all bridal shops offer um, a seamstress service. So a lot of bridal shops won't do them in-house. So um, they'll have my cards and recommend me. Um, and then also a lot of brides, if they're specially ordering something in, I get a lot of brides from London, so they've they've or they've had to buy their dress from London or up north because it's the only shop that stocks that dress. So they then bring it local rather than driving all the way up for alterations, and um, it's just closer to home and a lot easier as well. And quite often you can't always. I'm sure a lot of seamstresses, if they're in-house as well, they probably do their research, but you can't always research the seamstresses they're using, whereas taking it independently, they can look at my portfolio. And so I think it puts some brides' mind at rest that they can sort of come here, chat to me and see what I've done. So with a like, in-house alterer, <laughs> I love that you made up that word, Jack. With an in-house seamstress who's making alterations, um, will they... Ha- do they have the same skill set as you in terms of, I mean, if someone has to brought, be taken in, which means that some of the embellishments have to then come off, do they yeah. have that same skill level as you and have gone through the same training or is it a bit different? They should, I'm not sure about their, tra- it depends what they, when they're interviewing them, what they'll look for. They should have um, experience and some form of training. The main thing, so a lot of uh, shops will send me more, redesign work so because I do bespoke I can add sleeves and things like that to dresses um so with the bespoke side of it I have a lot of fabric suppliers so I can match up the laces things like that and that's more pattern drafting because you're making sleeves from scratch and then mixing it into an already made dress so I'd say something like that you do need um, a degree level of experience um, so that side of things, you might struggle more with in-house because they'll be used to standard alterations. Um, but they should have 
<laughs> with the interview process with it they should have some experience and some sort of sort of training so moving on to something which is um i think has to be spoken about um but there's no kind of particularly polite way to put it uh in terms of the practicality of a wedding dress and by that i mean uh, uh popping to the little girl's room uh what sort of consideration is like uh, need to be made and what sort of questions should brides be asking when they're kind of looking for the dress or looking for one to be kind of made for them uh, so the the biggest one with that they look amazing in photos and if your heart is set on a fishtail dress so that's a dress that's fitted on the thighs fitted on the legs and flares out so the more fitted you go around the top of your legs make sure you sit down in the dress because odds are if it's very fitted you may even have to completely undo the dress um, to go to the toilet. And so bear that in mind, if there's a hundred buttons all the way at the back, you're gonna have to undo these, do them all back up again. Um, But if that's not a big issue for you because it looks amazing, then that's fine. But just if you're someone that wants to be dancing around really comfortable all day, then that's not gonna be the style necessarily for you just bear it in mind when you're trying it on you know sit down move around yes I think that when I first started doing weddings some kind of eight years ago or something like that I remember being at a wedding and someone trying to trying to find the bride to do a trick for the bride and groom because they'd been off having their photos when I was there um and someone said oh she's gone to the toilet and then I didn't quite didn't really understand at that time that that was actually like a a full 20 minute process you know it's not just a case of like just popping to the toilet and coming back again two minutes later it's you know it's, it requires like a team of like three people and a kind of civil engineer and uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh yeah. it's always worth thinking about before the day because it sounds tough but you know when you're getting your dress altered or even when you're in the shop just ask them you know just don't be shy about it just say can i sit down like <laughs> How do, how do I do this? <laughs> and it, it's worth knowing because you don't want that on the day, trying to figure it out and <laughs> calling for help, getting other bridesmaids in. And yeah, yeah. I've seen I've seen these things advertised before, where it's like a net that you wear underneath your dress, which you then scoop up round your dress to go to the toilet. Have you seen these? Yeah, I do get asked about these quite a lot actually. So. Um, most dresses either have a built-in petticoat mm-hmm. or you'll want to add one underneath um, with just a little hoop at the bottom. So what that does is help you walk and keep the fabric away from your legs. So that hoop, you can grab it and pull everything up inside. It has the same effect as one of those special ones to buy. So nine times out of ten, won't need one. Okay. So that was You've the- probably already got one, one in your dress or you're wearing one. <laughs> wearing one without even knowing it yeah yeah so there's a money saving tip right there yeah definitely uh while we're sort of on the side of practicalities every uh, almost every bride i know uh when they're planning their wedding they are planning on looking their best obviously they want to look their best so they're trying to lose weight in order to look their best how does that work with if they're having a bespoke dress made or even if they're having to have their dress altered to fit their body shape as it is but they're going to have lost weight by the time they or hopefully lost weight by the time it gets to their wedding how does that kind of work so this is yeah this is one of the biggest things i get asked with alterations really the main thing is communication so whoever's altering your dress and even having one made 
if they know that that's what you're doing then what I tend to do is get the fittings as close as possible anyway so eight to ten weeks for alterations just so that you know if you're altering something a year before the wedding most people you change anyway even without meaning to if they're busy or or nervous before the wedding they might lose weight without planning to anyway so you want to get it as close as possible with enough time to sew so with enough time to sew means that not using your wedding date as your deadline is the best thing use your very last fitting as your deadline and then stick to that um so yeah eight to ten weeks before and then realistically you know a couple of months before it's it's not healthy to go crazy and stress yourself out in that time anyway um so yeah that's the best way to do it and it's just tweak it as you go so at each fitting we'll just keep bringing it in and bringing it in really those last couple of months are stressful enough you don't then want to be having to just eat yeah. celery for the for those Absolutely. two months as well do you just to yeah. add to the stress um, um yeah so you said the best time to kind of do the alterations eight to ten weeks before the wedding so how many weddings can you personally do in a year or do you do in a year um i tend to stack of them i haven't actually added up this year i've got a t- i've got a spreadsheet so i do get asked this quite a lot so with alterations, they really, because I get a lot of big redesigns, they vary from 10 hours to 30 hours. Um, so I tend to stagger as much as possible and then bespokes over six months to a year and they slot in in between. Um, so yeah, it tends to be based on what they want doing rather than an average, you know, it will take X amount of hours per bride sort of thing. Um, so it varies month to month, year on year really. So just jumping back quickly just to what you were saying about uh, the weight loss side of things. So once the final fitting's been done, would you then advise that brides then just take it easy and not worry about the weight loss because you know the dress should already fit perfectly at that stage? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're if you are somebody that goes up and down, sometimes it happens even with with health. Even you know if you're someone that goes up and down a little bit, if you've got a corset dress that in itself it is slightly adjustable so if you are panicked about that if you're worried then that's the style that's better whereas a zip is where it is yeah um so the collection is normally two three weeks before the wedding and the last fitting's about a month before so in that last month realistically you're not it's not going to be anything drastic yeah just wanted to kind of cover that so do you also obviously you do not just um the bride's dresses do you often do bridesmaids dresses to fit in with the theme of the bride's dress or was that um i only do bespoke wedding dresses because of the hours that it takes so cost wise it's still um taking measurements drafting a pattern and fittings so it's just not viable for for bridesmaids so it is because i do a lot of hand sewing and couture uh techniques it's just it's just not viable to do bridesmaids and flower girls and, and things like that so i only specialize in in bridal yeah so unless someone wanted to pay say 1500 pounds or two grand yeah. for a bridesmaid's dress then <laughs> yeah. other, other than that it's uh probably gonna be in, in like a, a no-go area yeah absolutely <laughs> I can, yeah I, I can understand that when a bride comes to you with a pinterest board full of pictures of uh, bridal dresses how does that sit with you is that helpful unhelpful where is that for you um in terms of bespoke it's really helpful so that's how i start the whole process i tend to say you know pinterest or quite often um just google because 
if they want a particular neckline, I'll say, send me that one picture and this the neckline from this, it's the train from this, it's the sleeves on this, and then we quite often we'll piece it together because um, odds are it'll be pieced together because it's it's not the exact dress, they haven't found it in the shot they've wanted. So it's really helpful. But sometimes I do have to um, politely rein it in a little bit because quite often they'll love something about something on Pinterest and I'll say, well, look at it. Is it the styling that you love or is it actually the dress? And sometimes it's a case of I'll guide them and tweak it a little bit because they might be closer to five foot and this model's six foot. So we'll tweak the design a bit to suit their height, for example, because it's not that I'm saying, you know, you don't look like the model on Pinterest. It's just that everybody's different. So how it will look on someone taller, for example, it's different when you're shorter. So it's it's a case of bearing that in mind when you are using it, keeping an open mind with it as well. And that is the only downside to Pinterest is it is tends to be all six foot size six to eight models on there, unfortunately. So it's not always a nice thing to keep looking through as a bride yeah i can uh, i can appreciate that um we've had a, like this mentioned a few times on the podcast about uh, pinterest about this kind of love-hate relationship that um you know wedding suppliers have of it so but i guess it's a bit different with you because you can literally create anything presumably yeah it's a great start for inspiration as well and quite often if if a bride's got an idea in their head you need something visual and for me what I do is very visual so it's a lot easier to see you know a board of of 10 pictures of what they love than a description of a rough description by paper it's a lot easier for me to visualize it so yeah it helps me a lot so do you kind of see the Pinterest things a bit like the matrix and they all kind of come together in your head and then you can just (laughs) (laughs) just yeah definitely pretty much fair enough uh the final question I wanted to ask before we move on uh, is on the other side of weight loss. So for instance, let's say um, a bride comes to you and you design a dress, you get it all sorted out, and then she finds out she's pregnant and it turns out she's going to have a kind of say, seven-month bump, um, yeah, of which obviously you wouldn't know exactly what size she's going to be at seven months. How, how does it work on that side of it? I realize that's a bit of a niche question, but you know, just because you know, it, it does happen. So <laughs> It happens more often than you think. Yeah, it's... Um... So in terms of bespoke, again, it's communication with it. So the earlier I know, I can just leave excess fabric and we'll just, to be fair with bespoke, I'd make it bigger and then just take it in as we need it rather than you can't really add fabric. With alterations, if they've already bought a dress, um, I can add fabric. If it's a zip, for example, you can change it into a corset. So that adds a whole nother panel without looking like we've added a panel to the dress because that's something I never do is just randomly change it to look like it's been changed so it's a case of of puzzling it together to to not be obvious to look like the original dress i think that's perfect so that moves us on to our quick fire questions so chantelle question one what would be your number one tip for choosing a uh alterer <laughs> sorry <laughs> a seamstress as it's more commonly known <laughs> um I would say booking as early as possible because once you're fully booked, quite quite often seamstresses, it will be just them as well. Once you're fully booked, you're fully booked, um, and that's it. Then it's you know you're trying to trawl around and you can't always go for your first choice, um, especially when you're researching and you want someone that's got experience and and they've studied. It's um, yeah, early as possible, really. Perfect. So. 
I realise this may be a slightly harder question for you to answer because I don't suppose you're usually there at the wedding day. But what is your best wedding story? Um, so I'm yeah, I'm not there on the day, but for me, my best will be um, you know, I had a bespoke bride that just never wore dresses, and she wanted a William Morris inspired one, so we we did uh, embroidered flowers all the way up, and I did dress her on the day, and. She used to come to me every fitting in a baggy t-shirt and jeans because she just that's who she was on the day. She just felt so feminine. She looked amazing. She was so happy and confident as well. Um, she was a, a plus size bride and and yeah, she was her and her mum were in tears and she just felt so amazing and yeah, that was the best one by far. Oh, that's such a. I mean, that's that's like the reward of the job in like one short snippet, isn't it? That's just great. Yeah, absolutely. So conversely to that, what was your worst wedding story? Um, it would be altering a bridesmaid's dress the night before the wedding. Oh, God. <laughs> so having a phone yep. call on a Friday night. Um, I should probably say it was a bridesmaid's dress I didn't alter. They took it to, I'm going to assume, quite a cheap <laughs> seamstress. Uh, and the zip was taken out, put back in and completely broke. So I was like, yeah, felt sorry for them the night before. But it was all fixed in the end. Took it out, put a new one in, made it not wonky again. <laughs> So was this a, sorry, don't want to go too deep into this, uh, but it's supposed to be quick fire, but was this someone who'd already acquired your services and then you then did the bridesmaid's dress as well? Or was this someone who phoned you out of the blue and said, I've got a bridesmaid's dress that's broken? Um, so I altered the bride's dress and a couple of the bridesmaids, uh, but one of the bridesmaids went a little bit cheaper. <laughs> um, and then the night before I got a phone call, oh, please, can you help us? It's gone a bit wrong. <laughs> And luckily, I didn't have plans that Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Busy the next day, but I just thought it was an awful thing to happen. You know, poor girls. It was lucky they tried them on, really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. So what is your number one wedding planning tip? This is just a general tip for planning your wedding. Um, I'd say don't get bogged down with other people. So just be yourselves. So quite often, others can take over. Family, friends, it's, it's your wedding you know don't let them get to you as well there's always sometimes there's dramas just it's all about the two of you just forget everything else i couldn't agree with that more wholeheartedly moving us on to our random question of the week uh oh, no. yes <laughs> so and this may require some thought so uh chantel jack if you could switch places with anyone on earth for a day who would it be and why somebody that flies not not physically but mm. <laughs> flies a, lot. a pilot yeah something so you can see the world differently <laughs> or an astronaut something that's different so, <laughs> involving flying something different involving flying. so an, an astronaut i think that's a pretty yeah. pretty that's solid thing yeah yeah jack uh i i'd want to be elon musk just so i can see what goes on inside his head because I just think it's mental in there and I want to know what's going on. I think it's a big pot of crazy in there that this also generates incredible and beautiful ideas for the world. Exactly. Um, That's why I want to be, I want to just see how it works, this, this, what goes on, this, what he's thinking on a day-to-day basis. Fair enough. I think that's a, that's a pretty solid answer. So uh, that uh, leaves us to say thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you've been very insightful. I think that anyone listening to this will have taken a lot away from it, uh, Chantel. And uh, thank you for Jack for 
creating new words. So, uh, Chantal, if they want to uh, <laughs> find out about uh, your uh, seamstress service, uh, how can they do that? Um, my website, everything's on their portfolio. Um, it's www.chantalsophia.com or social media as well, which is Chantal Sophia. And that's uh, Instagram, Facebook and, and everywhere you can kind of expect and things like that. Uh, just Instagram and Facebook, actually. In- Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> just the two. The, the big two. The two. <laughs> fair yeah. enough. The important ones. The important Definitely. ones. Uh, and Jack, should they want the luxury magician at their wedding? The, the luxury magician that makes up his own words. Yeah. Uh, you can find me at www.theluxurymagician.com. You can find me on Facebook at Jack Brister, the luxury magician, or you can find me on Instagram at jbristermagic. And Chris, if people want to find out more about you or your book, which you've already mentioned today, where can they find out more? I, I don't think I should be chastised for mentioning my book once in reference to something that's directly in the book. No, I'll let you off. I'll let you off. It's okay. This one's acceptable. So where can they find out more about you and your book? So they can find out more about me at chrispiercymagic.co.uk. Uh, Instagram is chrispiercymagic and Facebook is chrispiercymagician, mind reader, hypnotist. Uh, you can find out about my book on Amazon. It is on um, paperback and Kindle. It's called Blissful Wedding Planning, Becoming a Stoic Bride. Uh, and at the time of recording, it is not out on audiobook, but by the time you listen to this, it might well be. So that will be on Audible. Uh, anyway, that's uh, that's about it. So thanks for everyone for listening, and uh, thanks for joining us, Chantal. Thank you. You're very welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Yes To I Do. Please remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram using the tag at Yes To I Do Podcast.